the the holy grail of science is is how to retain good age, good health as we age. And uh, for those of us who are you know getting a little bit older, we know that that's not always easy. But there are some simple things that we can all do to be healthier as we get older. And it's not about going on wacky diets or crash diets or becoming keto or paleo or any other sort of thing that you might want to do. So our next guest practices geriatric medicine at a number of Sydney hospitals. She holds the current chair in healthcare of older people at Sydney University. So please stand and welcome Professor Susan Curl. Give her a big round of applause. Morning, everyone. Um, yeah, as Sophie says, this is a bit of a change of, um, of pace. Um, Angela asked me to talk about ageing successfully because um, certainly in nursing, um, you look at the average age, and I would have to say in medicine as well, um, although I'm the mother of a younger nurse, he's an ED nurse, but um, he's only in his 30s, so I'm hopeful we're gradually bringing the average age down. Um, but yes, yeah, so I just want to touch today, because I can't include everything, um, on how we can do better as we get older, and we need to start now, and then also just look in depth at, at, at one or two um, important areas. So we don't have the fountain of youth. And what's really interesting for all the ladies in the audience is when you look at who's going into the fountain of youth, it's women. Um, so there is that, even back then when this was painted, a German painter, there was the expectation men could age, but we had to stay young. What is really interesting, though, is that certainly a lot of our colleagues over, overseas think we've found the fountain of youth um, because we are ageing quite successfully in Australia, and I'll come to that in a minute. But um, I just want you to look at some of these pictures. Um, the top left lady we will meet again in a few minutes. Um, the top right are my parents. The bottom right is um, Heather Lee, who's 93 and um, races uh, uh, walking, um, race walking at an international level. She lives at Richmond at 93. So there is no excuse for any of us. So when you look at these, what have they got in common? They're all over 85. Um, they've all exceeded their life expectancy. They're all outside and being active. And they're engaged in activities that wouldn't be considered normal for their, for their age group. And I think that's really important. Society's expectations um, can, can affect what we do. They have not let age get in the way of what they want to do. And I think that's really important. Um, in Australia, we're currently adding a month to every year that we live. So every year that you live, you live another month. So every 12 years, the life expectancy goes up by a year. It was a little more than that, but it's just flattened out a bit recently. Interestingly, in the US, it's going down. In Mexico, it's going up, and Mexico's life expectancy is going to cross America, the US's, in about eight years. So it'll be interesting to see if there's gates in that wall that's going to be built, <laughs> because... But, but what it says to us is what is happening in the US 
that's bringing their life expectancy down. And it's well, it's seven years below ours. So females, we can expect to live to at least 85, although if we sort of steer clear of chronic disease, that could be at least 90. But kids born today, my grandchildren, can expect to live to 100, which is kind of scary. Um, so how do we stay fit and well? into our 80s and 90s, you know, how do we live well till we die? And if you know the expression, oh, the wheels fell off, that came from the idea that a good carriage, as in a horse and carriage, a good carriage stayed together until the wheels fell off and then the whole thing fell apart. So the idea was you, you drop dead. And most of us, I would say, want that. But I would say if I did a... a, a, a straw poll in this room, most of us want to live to 85 or 90. Would that be right? Um, uh, you know, 90's about it. A few brave souls often want to live to 100. Good on them. Um, but it is quite interesting. We talk negatively. Um, the Productivity Commission, our managers, uh, the Ministry of Health talk negatively about the grey tsunami. Yet I will bet there is no one in that room that doesn't want to be part of that grey tsunami. So how do we, how do we get into it um, but keep our feet? It's, it's really avoiding unpleasant conditions, dementia, sarcopenia, you may not have heard much about and I will mention that a bit, um, and frailty, which kind of goes along with, with, with sarcopenia. So take you back to this lovely lady. She is my pin-up girl. This is Madame Jeannie Calmont. She is, was the longest living human. We know she lived to 122 and a half. And just have a look at her CV. Um, she took up the sporting fencing at 85, rode a bicycle till she was 100, and she had to stop because the gendarme in Arles, where she lived in southern France, took it away from her because she kept running into people because of her macular degeneration. <laughs> um, she lived alone up three flights of stairs, and that's important, till she was 110. She drank a large glass of port wine, at least two drinks, um, every day. She had two cigarettes, but she walked up and down those three flights of stairs to smoke them. So she kind of cancelled out uh, because she didn't like the, the, the smell of cigarette smoke. Um, and she ate a kilo of dark chocolate, proper dark chocolate, each week. We know a lot about her because an Australian psychologist called Karen Ritchie moved to France and actually studied her and, and wrote her up before she, she died. Um, she gave up smoking at 120, which is really interesting because most people say, well, obviously giving up smoking killed her. Um, <laughs> but she actually didn't like going outside. That was the, the, to have a cigarette. She was a big believer in olive oil, and you'll see why that's important in a minute. She outlived her husband, her child, and her grandchildren, not her great-grandchildren. That'd be kind of sad, burying them. But interestingly, and the, the funny part of the story is she outlived her solicitor. <laughs> and that is important because in France, you can sell your house to someone and live in it until you die. So the solicitor at 45 thought buying her, her lovely apartment, top floor apartment, when she was 75 was absolutely fine. Well, he died about 20 years later and she was still happily ensconced in the apartment and for another, I think, 15 years. But anyway, the, I guess what I'm trying to say is this is a lady who aged successfully and um, I guess we can take on board, perhaps except for the smoking, um, what she did. 
Now, if you look at how people age successfully. It's really interesting. You look at the centenarian studies from around the world, and they're from Okinawa is the classic one, the islands to the south of Japan, but Sardinia in the Mediterranean, um, in New England, and even here in, um, in Sydney. There've been centenarian studies. So what is it that allows people to live to 100? And the first thing is you've got to have the right genes. So it's a bit late for all of us here, but it is interesting because you know, longevity is hereditary. Um, so you're more likely to live longer if your parents did. Having the right personality is the second most important thing. Being positive. Um, and Ginny Calmont was definitely positive. And you can actually change from being a very negative person to being a positive person, according to my um, psychologist colleagues. And certainly there are programs to at least make you feel a little more positive. But it is, that's really important. Being physically active, and that's probably the most important thing I will say today, um, you know, exercise, 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 exercise. And it's exercise for everything. Preventing dementia, depression, bowel cancer, breast cancer, you know, at frailty. Um, being mentally and socially active and being here today is doing that because hopefully you're being mentally active but you will also be socially active in the breaks. Um, eat and drink well and I will expand on that a bit. Maintaining independence. Often as we get older people think they're helping us by saying oh I'll take you shopping or I'll cook a meal for you once a week or I'll do this or get a cleaner um, in. That is actually disabling people and disabling older people in particular. So we do need to be careful about that. Um, and avoiding disease. Now, I know that's really obvious, but have you all had your flu vaccinations? Actually, I got an email saying if I didn't have my flu vaccination, I would be stood down. Um, and I thought, yes. <laughs> but it, it was interesting, because I had actually had it, but they hadn't registered it. Because I happened to be over 65, I got the old people's vaccine, and it didn't show up on my, my record. I have to tell you, I was sicker with it, because it's a double dose, um, which I think is a bit discriminatory, but anyway. Um, the, it is important to avoid disease. You know, watch your blood pressure, watch your cholesterol, watch all those blood sugars in particular. Diabetes is, is really um, becoming an issue. So it is important to watch those. A lot of that's obvious, but it really is very important in terms of ageing successfully. Now, I just want to quickly drill down, if you like, to something called sarcopenia. And I don't know how many people know about sarcopenia. It's important because as of two days ago, it officially became a disease. It actually has an ICDM code from July the 1st. Um, so it's in the International Classification of Diseases. So what is it? It's age-related muscle mass loss. And we lose about 1% of our muscle mass every year from age 30. So most of us in this room are on the downhill slide. But it's similar to the brain. We lose brain cells from age 18. We lose kidney function, again, about 1% per year from about 30, 35. So there's a lot of redundancy built into our systems. We, we lose most of our muscle, interestingly, from um, our buttocks. Now, think Serena Williams. She has got the most amazing glute gluteal muscles, but it disappears. And, and as most of my colleagues say, yeah, it moves around the front. Um, <laughs> but what happens is that you lose muscle and it's replaced by fat or 
connective tissue, gristle. And so you don't notice it. And you'll see a photo in a minute by what I mean. Um, it's probably inevitable that we lose muscle. Even athletes, um, older athletes, um, will have some sarcopenia. But they keep what they've got left strong. And that's, that's really important. So have a look at this slide. So this is a CT scan through a cross-section of a thigh. So you've got the 25-year-old, you know, lean rump steak, if you like, on the left, and the Wagyu beef on the right. <laughs> and which one are you? <laughs> um, but it is interesting, because it's the same size. Your, your, your thigh hasn't changed size or shape, but what's inside it has really changed. And that's quite important because you, you, these are your independence muscles, the, the um, quadriceps and the hamstrings, very important. If, you can't, if they get weak, you can't get out of your chair, out of a car, and most importantly, on and off the toilet. So we, it's really important to keep an eye on that. Now, why are we banging on about sarcopenia? Because it affects so much of what we do. If you've got low muscle mass and function, you walk slowly. You can't get across a pedestrian crossing with the lights in time. You're much more likely to fall, big issue in hospitals, as we know, and you decreased um, ADL function. You're more likely to end up in hospital. If you end up in hospital, you'll stay longer and you're more likely to end up in residential care. You, you're much less likely to recover well post-operatively, and there's lots of studies showing that. Higher drug to toxicity, because the, the, there's too much fat for the, uh, the drugs to go into and then leach out of. You get frail and you, you die. So sarcopenia is not a good thing to have, and there's a lot we can do. Um, the main thing is resistance training, and I'll talk a little bit just in a slide or two about exactly what we should be doing, because we can't all go to the gym three times a week. Um, but the other interesting thing, particularly for older people, is nutrition. Um, we, most of us in the, this room, need 0.8 of a gram per kilogram of our body weight per day of protein. Once you hit 75, you need 1.5 grams of protein, not less. You need nearly double what you're having now. That's really important because you look at what we feed people in residential care um, and in hospitals. <laughs> My mum was in hospital recently in Hornsby and when I looked at her dinner, it had been cooked four months earlier in Port Kembla um, and then frozen. And it actually didn't taste too bad, but it looked pretty terrible. <laughs> but it was interesting. Um, this is what we feed our older people. There wasn't much protein in it. I know they say there is, but there wasn't. So we do need to look at that. Um, so protein, omega-3 fatty acids, so the fish oils, good fish, and vitamin D if you're deficient. Vitamin D is really important, particularly for older people. It's important for all of us. Um, got a bit of bad press where people saying, oh, it does, it's, it's not important, but it is. Um, and we all just need to be careful in winter. So physical activity, my prescription, and I write it on a script pad for patients, 30 minutes of brisk walking. Um, it's brisk exercise five times a week, 150 minutes a week. Um, is what you need. And you can do it in two lots each day. I, I have a dog a large amount of the time. If I don't take her out, she's a, she's a husky, she howls. Um, and so a 20 minute walk is brilliant and that's my exercise. Um, resistance training. You can go to the gym or you can go to Target and buy yourself a set of two or three kilogram hand weights for about $10 and do a home program. Leave them by your kettle. Just do some resistance training every time you have a cup of tea or coffee. 
Um, and a bit of balance training. Do you stand on one leg? Um, someone pointed out to me at a talk I did recently, I did most of it on one leg. I think that's because I was nervous, not because I was practising my balance. But we don't practise balance enough. Children do. They play all the time. We don't. And you can relearn balance. Being mentally and socially active is important, being part of a network. When we're at work, it's not so important, but a lot of people are thinking about retiring and a lot of people retire early and you die of retirement. Um, what's interesting, you know, join, we say men's shed for the men, stitch and bitch for the women, which is what I did when, when I was a young mum and we would have, we'd do cross stitch, but mainly we'd talk. Um, and it was the best debriefing session. Um, concerts, theatres, but what's interesting is get married, um, particularly for men, <laughs> um, because you live, you live longer if you're married and your risk of Alzheimer's is much less. Just an, a very interesting study, but it's been confirmed. Um, eating and drinking well is important. The Mediterranean diet is what I've got here. That's, and it's been interesting watching, there's been um, the program on the ABC just recently about the different diets. Um, they didn't look at the Mediterranean diet because, of course, it's not a fad diet, but it's probably the diet to, um, to live longest. Um, so just more fresh fruit, veggies, lentils, chickpeas. And I think what's important, decrease your saturated fat, but in, you can increase, you know, your avocados and olive oil. And alcohol is fine in small amounts. Now, if you don't drink, don't go out and start. Um, you'd, but two drinks a day and at least one alcohol-free day a week, if you're going to enjoy it. Uh, mind you, you look at the glasses of... Someone gave me a wine glass the other day. It was bigger than this water glass. Um, a, a drink of wine is 125 mils, not 400. Um, so it is, it is, it's important. But it, it's, it can be protective. Um, but you mustn't have too much of it. There's obviously barriers to, to, to successful ageing. I mentioned before you've got to watch disease and diabetes, respiratory disease, renal disease and cardiac disease are important. But what is interesting is, do you know what the commonest cause of death in women is now in Australia? It's dementia. Yep, we, because most of us are women, are going, are most likely to die of dementia not heart disease or cancer or any of the others. So I just throw that in because how do you prevent dementia or put it off till you die of something else or when you've got it, slow, it's, um, slow the decline, you exercise, physical exercise. So it becomes incredibly important to make it part of your life. Obviously cancer, poverty, smoking is, is a big um, risk factor. The less, the better. I figure if you've got to 60 and you're still smoking, just cut it in half. Um, I, I realise some people may never give it up. And obviously, being in prison or homeless is an issue. It's never too late to start. This time, this pin-up lady is Ruth Frith, who is an Australian. She took up exercise at 75. She still holds the world 100-year-old shot put, hammer throw, discus and javelin records. Um, I actually watched her train um, in Chatswood, and she was amazing. So... I think the important thing is never too late and it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're doing some exercise. So a question for you, why is it important for the younger generation that we age successfully? It's a one word answer and it is grandparents. About a million children 
in Australia are being cared for for part-time by grandparents. I would imagine there may be children of some people in this room being cared for by their grandparents today. And I think it is really important that we're able to do that. Um, there's actually websites from the government on how to be a grandparent, or at least how to care as a grandparent. Um, and it is quite interesting because I think sometimes older people are taken advantage of. But it is interesting, a study, quite a large study from Melbourne showed that grandparenting, particularly for women, because it was a women's health study, um, is good for cognitive function in older women. Minding grandchildren predicted significantly higher cognitive function. Um, but it is a J-curve. The, the best amount was two to three days. Once you went over three days, your cognitive function dropped and <laughs> having minded my grandchildren a couple of times, I know why, um, you get totally exhausted. But it is important and it's a very important function that we will play um, because it's something children are missing. And on that, I will finish with Excellent. time for questions. Give, please give Susan a big round of applause. Thank you.